under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Twelve years ago, this upcoming Sunday, or something like that, I was sitting in the media room of my parents' house because, wow, 12 years ago, I was just about to graduate from high school. And I was very excited, very, very excited. No, not in that way, you perverts. I was very excited for a show that was to be broadcast to hundreds of millions of people. Yes, there was also a football game going on that evening. The Super Bowl between, well, two teams I don't really remember. Actually, I think the Colts won that year, but the game didn't really matter to me. And I could give a damn about the commercials. You marks doing the advertising agency's job for them. And let's watch the commercials. No. It was a Super Bowl halftime show. It was probably the best in history. It was a Super Bowl halftime show where everybody who knew me at the time knew I was very happy. I had the text messages coming in to attest to that very fact that people knew me well. Or that this was a big night for me. More so than pretty much anybody else. In my opinion, it's the halftime show of the Super Bowl that ruined all other halftime shows to follow. You know, there's sometimes moments when somebody does something so well. You're like, it's never going to be topped. The NFL put together a behind-the-scenes video of this particular halftime show. And alongside me this evening to recount this fine evening 12 years ago is Mr. Seth Spotlow. Now, do you remember the halftime show I'm talking about, kind sir? I don't know. I remember the one with Janet Jackson and Justin. Oh, I remember that one, too. <laughs> I was it wasn't that. for the music. No, I saw... Did you see the boob live? I, I saw the boob. You saw the boob? I saw the boob. Because I saw the boob. I was in... The- I was in a living room with my <laughs> entire extended family. Aunts, uncles, little nephews, little cousins. I don't have any nephews or nieces yet. But little cousins, guys, girls, my parents, grandparents, and they're all, you know, getting chummy and having a good time. We had that type of family, great finger food, like a wonderful sausage cheese dip, all this spread going on. And I'm sitting there watching the TV, not that impressed because it's Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. And I remember standing up from my chair. I'm going to do it right now. I went, boom! Her boom popped out! It popped out! 
I see that? And everyone's like, what are you talking about, Joey? I'm like, her boob popped out. She had the pasty on, and he'd put his hand up flat against it. And yeah. when he pulled it down, I guess his hand caught the pasty or sticky or whatever, and that sucker would bloop. Do you think you did it on purpose? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, America's wholesome households freak the hell out because, Ooh. you know, people in prim and proper society don't have boobs. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah. It's funny how people freak out about certain things, don't you? Know? Oh, yeah. Well, you knew that was the day that would change television for a little while. Mm -hmm. The censors would be much more, you know, commanding. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's all about the bottom line. Ooh. No, but that's not the halftime. I'm not talking about the boob, the nipple slip. Okay. I'm not talking about that. No more nip slip. How about your show? No, this show was good because of the music. Ah, no, but, I don't remember seeing this one. All right, well, let's begin the video behind the scenes of this halftime show. It starts on a very rainy day, the morning of the Super Bowl. One second. The morning of the game, I opened the curtains in my hotel room and I was like, oh my God, it was like a scene from Moby Dick. It was like the winds were blowing, the palm trees, and the rain was one of those Miami rainstorms that just would not relent. We're in this truck sitting behind Don Misher. And I remember Don said, um, put me on the phone with Prince. Don says, now, I want you to know it's raining. And Prince is like, yes, it's raining. And are you okay? And Prince is like, can you make it rain harder? And I was like, right on. where I want to jump in. He, of course, plays the hits. Mm -hmm. That's not my favorite part of the Super Bowl halftime show. But as they go on to say in this video, it is raining cats and dogs. You're having to coordinate not only all these people that come out on the field as soon as the organ hits and he says, dearly beloved, gathered here to get today to get through this thing called life. But the stage is the prince symbol, kind of a mix of the feminine and masculine signs. Which, oh my God, he was gender bending. I thought anybody that wanted to be a little different had to be a victim. Oh no, it looks like people throughout history bent gender and they did so confidently in a confounding manner that would suck people in or make them go, what the hell is that? But they weren't victims. Anyway... The stage that is like his symbol is laid out with like this tile, and when it got wet, it would be slicker and slicker. If you watch the halftime show back, and of course I'm talking about 2007's performance by Prince. He's surrounded, this is the era of the twins, two twins that he had as dancers. That on some performances, like when he's doing a guitar solo, he put one arm, his left arm in particular, around one of the twins and then continued to play the guitar solo with his arm around her. It was, a, it was an cool. interesting era. It was, it was not as good as the Third Eyed Girl era. But I knew he was going to play the hits. But throughout the set, he's switching guitars. And these are live electric guitars with the potential to shock you if you're actually wet. 
this has happened to me before. I was playing electric guitar by a pool, and it shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> like, that can happen. But I want to actually skip ahead to the part... Okay, there it is. That I actually loved. Hmm. Because it wasn't necessarily... Like, I've heard Let's Go Crazy as a Prince fan plenty of times before. I've heard, Baby, I'm a star. Baby, I'm a star. Plenty of times before. Let's see if I can get to the right portion here of this. Let's scrub through a little bit. Yeah, you know, Baby, I'm a star. That's that song. And there's a whole there is a whole band. Yeah, and we're coming up to this part. A whole like I think Florida, <laughs> one of the schools down in Florida. I think FIU, maybe. I don't know. They're marching bands on the field. It's all this big production. Again, rain pouring. And you think he's gonna keep playing the hits. So he's gonna play Let's Go Crazy, of course. He's gonna play Purple Rain at the end. Of course. Yeah. But I remember when I was a at the time, I was on the fan forums. Like, what's the set list gonna be? Is he gonna play a new track to promote himself? What? What's the set list gonna be? And nobody saw what was coming. Nobody, because he didn't choose to promote himself. He played old hits that are good for an arena, and then he went into this. Count it. going to play Hendrix, Bob Dylan song, but then it doesn't stay all along the watch decides to do a medley of two very disparate covers. And I think the reason for it, it's all the best of you by the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Why did he do that? Because the Foo Fighters had covered Darling Nikki, one of his oh. songs. And they so he's like, hey, job. I can do you guys too. And I'm going to do it on the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show stage and do it better than you. And he goes into this insane solo on top of it. And it was just, it blew my mind. As a fan, I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. And I, I think I'm ruined from now on. <laughs> Nothing is going to be good enough. Maroon 5, Adam Levine is a fine guitarist and a great singer. Yeah. Not going to get close. You may be like a big Rolling Stones fan. They had a good halftime show, but they did what you would pretty much expect. Do you remember bad ones, though? What was that monstrosity with, like, Britney Spears and NSYNC one year? Oh, God. And Nelly came out, nah. and it was just like, oh, my God, what are we watching? But this, I don't know. I think it goes down to history, but, you know, we were talking about the, the boob, mm -hmm. Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah. This had controversy at the end, because I'll, maybe I can just pull up the photo for you, Seth, so you can attest to the people out there. Uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, there's this shot right here. Uh -huh. See how essentially what they did oh. when he was doing the <laughs> when he was doing the Purple Rain solo, 
they had this huge sheet being blown up by from the stage and then projecting his <laughs> shadow onto it. So from one side, he looked giant. He looked like 30, 40 feet in the air, his, his silhouette. But he's holding his guitar, mm-hmm. shaped like his symbol. But that kind of looks like something. Um, but I, And I remember, like, there's this freak out, freak out, freak out moment. How dare he? You invited Prince. <laughs> Did you not see any clips from the Dirty Mind tour? I know he's now 50, but come on. Mm. I, I think it's one of the best in history. And you can fight me over it. But people were texting saying it was awesome. And I was like, yes, thank you. I feel vindicated. Like, because I... I felt like people would look at me funny. Like, you're a Prince fan? Really? When I was younger. And then this happened, and they were like, okay, the dude's a badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It was a great moment. But, you know, I'm not that excited for the Super Bowl or the halftime show this year. Who's the halftime? Maroon 5. Oh. Apparently, there's all sorts of, like, I saw that Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, who's more of an activist than a musician these days. I mean, he's still Pink Floyd's great. I'm not going to deny that. And Roger Waters is the guy behind all sorts of great albums for the Floyd. So I'm not going to knock the talent. But he, he wants Maroon 5 to take a knee. Oh, it's going to get political. It's like, no, just put on a good show. <laughs> yeah. My God. Nobody cares about what you think. Must we let politics poison everything? Mm. It's just stupid. But I have an alternative for halftime this year. What is that? Halftime heat. The Simpsons? No. Oh. Are the Simpsons going to be on <laughs> halftime? What channel is that? Is that going to be on Fox? Yeah. Gah! So you're going to miss <laughs> animation domination once again. Thank you for... But it's better than Rent. It, y'all, you got that right. Well, at least I know now. It's right. bad when I like I run from what I'm doing to get home to find out that it's not going to happen. But halftime heat is something the WWE is oh, doing. Okay. So as soon as halftime starts, you can go to the WWE Network. And they're putting on a live six-man tag team with NXT superstars like Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano. I think Tomasa Ciampa and uh, Adam Cole, Aleister Black. Like, all these guys are great at what they do. So it'll be like a 35-minute match, like three men on each tag team. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's what I'll be doing during the halftime. I'll probably watch the Super Bowl because, you know, it's it's what people do. Yeah. You going to watch it? I don't know. I may come over there and watch it with you. Wait, weren't we at, it was like your birthday last year for the Super Bowl? I believe so. Yeah. And my birthday's coming up soon. When's your birthday? Two weeks. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess you just had your party on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, uh, as I get older, it used to be like this thing that I really look forward to, the Super Bowl. Now it's like, oh, that's back now. Yeah. I'm just not as passionate about NFL football as I once was, though I did win my fantasy football league this year. Did you? Yeah. Way to go. Look at me tooting my own horn. <laughs> it's because wow. I had the clear advantage. I watched live at a bachelor party a bunch of guys do their fantasy drafts, so I knew who wanted whom, and I knew who was the hot picks to get. Uh, okay. And it worked out for me. Way to go, man. Yeah, it, it worked out. It worked out. Anyway, that's what I need to get off my chest because it's the greatest halftime show in history. Oh, And I love that story. If it's raining, and he goes, well, can you make it rain harder? <laughs> that's like, awesome. Talk about confidence. Yeah. And also to have the whole stadium... 
like light up purple when you're doing purple rain and it's actually raining. Like you just can't plan that crap. Right there in the beginning, it looked like lightning hit. Well, they, that was a special effect. Okay, that was cool. <laughs> that was it looked like lightning hit. I was like, whoa. Uh, yeah, that, I don't think they would have allowed it. There's actually <laughs> like lightning and thunder. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway. <sighs> but in terms of politics these days, yes, there's crap. Uh, just the story about the Virginia governor gets, it's just wincing. Like, like I cringe-inducing. Like he talked about because he is a pediatrician on a radio show. I'll be honest. On the issue of abortion, I'm about where most people in polling are on abortion. Once a child is actually viable outside the womb, then I don't think you should do it. Yeah. If it's like the morning after pill, right. yeah. Again, and none of and none of this should be taken lightly. I think it just gets complicated if you go too early. But that said, this Virginia governor, on a radio show, much like this, much like in a studio like this, talking to, I believe, two women in the studio, asked, how would this bill work if you say that you can have an abortion at the time of delivery? It's like, well, the child could be delivered, and you would have a conversation with the parents and then make a decision. It's like, wait, you're... Are you talking about killing a newborn baby? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah, and like you either want to cry or scream or laugh out of being uncomfortable. You oh, know what I mean? That's terrible. It just it's a sick sick thing to say. And I don't know where he's coming from with this. So, as soon as he said that, people started digging. This is what happens. When you get on the national spotlight, you get a target on your back. Mm-hmm. It happened, for instance, with the Senate election, the Senate campaign between Roy Moore and Doug Jones. Oh, yeah. Because our politics has become so nationalized and that Senate seat was ripe, it's like, okay, Roy Moore's been elected several times in this state, two times to the Supreme Court of Alabama, but the national media has not been paying attention. When they pay attention, they dig up the dirt. They did it against Roy Moore, and now that the national media, in particular conservatives, are looking at this Virginia governor for, in my opinion, his abhorrent defense of this new abortion bill that luckily did not pass in the Virginia legislature, he had a target on his back, and people started digging. Guess what they digged up? What they find? In his high school yearbook, not some random Polaroid from a party... Not even something in some weird scrapbook. But in his high school yearbook, on his page, there's a photo of him, and it's hard to tell because, well, you'll understand why their faces are obscured when I tell you the two characters or costumes in a Halloween picture featured prominently again on his yearbook page. It is a man clearly in blackface, and not, I'm not talking about like, you know, schools have these spirit things where they do the blackouts, where their whole body, everybody wears black. No, no, no. No, I'm not going to. This is straight up blackface caricature. It's undeniable. And right next to the blackface person costume is a pretty legit looking Ku Klux Klan costume. <laughs> and so. 
he's either he's one of the two because it's on his wow high school yearbook page. That was unearthed. How it didn't get unearthed when he was running against Ed Gillespie to be governor, I don't know. This is what I mean by when you piss off people working at a national level in politics, they're going to get you if there's something in your past, if there's some skeleton in your closet. And so the Republican Party of Virginia is calling for him to resign. It's He should at this point. And I'm not even a Republican or I'm not even a Democrat. It's just... What is wrong with you? <laughs> now, I, I wow. am also very much like, okay, how old is this guy? 50, 55, 60? I don't know his exact age. He had to be 17, 18 when that photo was taken. People change over 40 years. Yeah, 40 yeah. years, 30, 40 years. But man, wow. You got some splaining to do. Mm-hmm. You got some feet to kiss. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the South Park episode. Remember the one with uh, with Randy Marsh? He's on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and it's like the solve the puzzle at the end of the show to where you're like, this is why South Park's so good. Solve the puzzle on the end, at the end of the show. And it, there's only one letter left. And the puzzle is N blank G-G-E-R-S. And he's sitting there looking at it, Randy Marshes, and he just comes out and says the N-word. <laughs> and, and, and the clue was people who bother you. And he comes out and says the N-word, and we're like, oh, oh, we're so sorry, Mr. Marsh. We were looking for naggers, <laughs> people who nag you. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> so, but at the end of the episode, in order to be put right back in polite society, he has to he has to kiss uh, Jesse Jackson's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what is this guy going to do? I don't think Jesse wants you to kiss your back, his backside their governor. <laughs> it's just, what a weird day wow. in politics. It, it's just Looney Tunes every day. To where it's I don't know how to screw my head on straight. Another one is, and this is a lesson I want everybody to hear, especially anybody who wants to tax the rich a little bit more. Not just a little bit more. If you want to put marginal tax rates like some new Democrats, I'm not even going to say their names, like some new Democrats want to do. They want to put 70%, 90% marginal tax rates on people making more than every dollar you make over $10 million, we're taking 70% of it. Mm. Elizabeth Warren recently came out. I'll say her name. Good Lord, I can't stand her. She wants to do a wealth tax, though nations that have done that in Europe have learned they don't really work. A wealth tax would mean not just what your income is that you made this year, what you report as your income, but like how much are you valued at? So you have $10 billion. We're taking 2% of that just because. I don't think it could be passed. I think it would be shot down as unconstitutional. Because the only way they were able to show an estate tax was constitutional was that when somebody dies, they transfer the money to somebody else. It's an abhorrent tax, in my opinion. Like, you die, and so the government takes it? (laughs) You're dead. Come on. What in the world is that? But that's how they it it passed constitutional muster, is that it's an exchange of wealth to 
the next generations of the government in order to be, I don't know, equitable, in my opinion, be heavy-handed, takes it. But a wealth tax, it's no transfer. It's just like the money, or it's, it's not even clear because valuations isn't like you're just sitting on a big pile of gold or cash. It's like your stocks, your the value of a trust you might have, like all sorts of different things you own. And so we're going to assess your value, whatever your valuation is, $10 million. Maybe you're like Michael Bloomberg and you're a $51 billion worth man. We're going to take 2% of that, Mr. Bloomberg, just because you exist and have made a lot of money. <laughs> That's pretty bad. But yeah. let's go back to marginal income tax rates. The proposal is 70%. But there was this great piece written recently. And this is in the perspective of also all the new things people want to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I liked that Donald Trump and the Republicans passed tax cuts. I think they should have cut taxes even more. But they also failed to cut spending. Joey's plan, and I think a a good plan would be cut taxes, cut spending, let the private sector, which is really just, you know, people voluntarily buying and selling things, create more and more wealth and take care of people. That's how you work in society, in my opinion. I think it would get us out of the hole pretty quickly. Cut taxes, cut spending, cut both. The Republicans and Donald Trump, President Trump, failed to do that. They cut some taxes, good, and they're still spending like drunken sailors. (laughs) So, you know, there's plenty of sins when it comes to the Republicans. However, the Democrats, they talk a big game, and this happens whenever the party out of power is out of power. Oh, the deficit and the debt. The yearly deficit and our, our debt obligations are too crazy. And it's the party in power who's responsible. Well, no, it's both of you, yahoos. Y'all have been going back and forth, the swinging pendulum. Democrats in power, now Republicans in power, Democrats in power. And the debt and the deficits year over year have been piling up to where we're near $22 trillion in debt. So, the Democrats see this, and they want to propose, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, New Green Deal. Like, well, let's read this article a little bit. When assessing the needed tax revenues, a green energy initiative costing $7 to $10 trillion over the next decade should be examined in the context of $42 trillion in additional Democratic Socialist proposals that include single-payer health care, that at a humble estimate, would cost $32 trillion over 10 years. All these figures are over 10 years. A federal jobs guarantee, $6.8 trillion. Student loan forgiveness, $1.4 trillion. Free public college, $800 billion. That's not too bad, is it? Infrastructure, another $1 trillion. Family leave, $270 billion. And social security expansion, another $188 billion. Mm. I'm in the 20 thousands a year, folks. I'm just coming out with it. I'm not giving the exact figure, but I'm in the 20,000s. These sort of numbers make me go, what? (laughs) So, but these spending promises are so stratospheric as to be incomprehensible, except to the far left, which clings to the myth that simply taxing millionaires and billionaires can finance a level of socialism that would make the Swedes start a Tea Party movement. (laughs) 
But then here's the key part. For the sake of argument, this guy proposes this. Imagine a 100% tax rate on all income over $1 million. Wow. So any money you make over a million dollars, we're taking all of it. <laughs> Obviously, that's not going to pass. That would never fly. But this is just for the sake of argument. That would raise 3.8% of GDP, which, to put in simple terms, is not even enough to balance our current budget. Like, our current budget has such a bad deficit that if you took all the money on all money made over a million dollars, it's not enough to balance our current budget. That doesn't include all that stuff I just said. <laughs> the green initiatives. Universal health care, single-payer health care, all, you know, federal jobs guarantee, all this stuff. And even if that figure implausibly assumes that people would continue working and investing and not try to avoid it, it doesn't cover things. Because if you're going to take 100% of people's money, they're going to hide it. They're going to oh, move yeah. it. I mean, somebody responded to this article in my Book of Faces page, and I, I like her a lot, but she's like, what is this argument that rich people will avoid paying taxes? It's like, yeah, rich people, shocking, I know. Hey, <laughs> even poor people are self-interested. Oh, yeah. And they don't like it when you're taking their money. All of it. Right. So that's what history shows. But the point is, you can't soak the rich in order to fund these massive social welfare programs. You can't. So how have the Europeans done it? You know, they have big welfare programs. Look at the Nordic countries. Well, this author has another answer. But here's the, the bottom line, as a lot of wrestlers, wrestlers would say. The true cash cow of any major social program, like single-payer health care for all people, or federal jobs guarantee, all these things, the true cash cow, ladies and gentlemen, has always been, and will always be, because there's just more of us, the middle and working class. This is what the article says. Europe finances its generous welfare states through steep value-added taxes. It's kind of like a sales tax, but it's a little different. That hit the entire population. Increasing federal spending by 21% of GDP to fund democratic socialism, even after slashing defense spending, which I'm for cutting defense spending. I mean, I'm not going to abolish the military. We're not going, you know, 1800s here. That's what, that, by the way, that was the true classical liberals. They were very, very suspicious of standing armies. I think they had a point. <laughs> anyway, that's even after slashing defense spending. But 21% increase in GDP spending by the government would require either a 55% payroll tax increase. Good God. 15% right now sucks enough as it... Oh, you only pay seven and a half. No! No, I don't. You don't know my situation. I pay the 15.7% or whatever the hell it is. But it would require either a 55% payroll tax increase or a 115% value-added tax, which essentially would be a tax on businesses and consumers at the point of sale, the Ooh. point of exchange. Yes, 
or according, and this is all according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. The most thankless job in the world. Can you imagine being, like, you're trying to be a referee and you're trying to spit out numbers as a statistician and an accountant. You're really good at finance and projecting these things over 5, 10, 20 years. But you can't really do your job well because you just have to follow. Like a Republican comes to you or a Democrat comes to you. Imagine you're one of these people, Seth. And they go, okay, uh, we want you to score what the cost of this program is going to be. But you have to make these assumptions that are complete bullcrap <laughs> and Part so the job. and so you do it dutifully but you're like these assumptions are bullcrap <laughs> anyway acknowledging that this is a brutal middle class burden would immediately end any public flirtation with free lunch socialism so just keeping it simple you want european style handouts america it would either take onerous value added taxes punitive payroll taxes and income taxes that impose high rates on even modest incomes and small businesses and corporations. Simply stated, there's no way to finance this size of a welfare state without pillaging the real cash cow, the middle class. And this is what we're going to have to deal with. It's, it's really, it's unreal. It's unreal. But I've talked for so long, because this, this crap gets me worked up. I see this. It really does. It really does, because there are some common retorts from the left. And on these issues, on economic issues, they the left drives me nuts. I, I admit, everybody has a bias. Everybody has a, a nerve that you can punch. Mine is economic freedom. You know, sue me if you think that's the wrong focus, but that's just I'm just telling you the truth. It's what really gets me worked up. Because the left's terrible on it, the right's just okay. They talk a game about free markets, but it's it's uh, it's not that faithful. They have a few mistresses. If you're getting married to the free market, they also want to you know sleep with a few crony policies. And any, anyway, anyway, the show, by the way, folks, is brought to you number one by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Now, Eddie Bader, he could be your buyer's agent. He could be your seller's agent. He could be a full-service real estate agent. He knows what he's doing. He changed his own life by investing in the real estate market, managing different rental properties, then going on becoming a real estate agent through the Bo Goodson School of Real Estate. He now works for Bo Goodson's Goodson Group, and he's helped all sorts of people buy and sell homes, making their dreams come true. Now, if you're a buyer, maybe a first-time home buyer, he'll walk you through that process. But also, if you're a seller, he'll, and even if you've sold before, he'll walk you through the process. He's not just going to show up, have you sign a contract, and sit on his hands until somebody sees the sign in your yard and calls him. No, he's going to get out there. He's going to suggest, hey, maybe you need to do this repair or this renovation. Here's how you do a successful open house and what time of year. Eddie Bader will go the extra mile to show you that this is how I'm making it work for you. So if you're interested in buying or selling your home... Give a man who has changed his own life the chance to change yours. His number, 322-0662. Again, that number, folks, 322-0662. Joey Clark. Name that tune, Seth. I don't know, but I'm jigging. Uh Ain't got no money. We ain't going to. They keep going like this. 
but I ain't like those other guys that hang around. It's kind of funny. They always seem to let you down, you know. Man, I tell women this, they don't believe me. <laughs> I, I really do, all the time. This is 1979's I Want to Be Your Lover, Prince's first kind of hit. So, from 79 to 2007, it's like, this dude was rocking and jamming in 79. This is one of my favorites still. Like, if I'm in a good mood riding down the road... And it's great skating rink music. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, I want makes you come running. <laughs> oh. Uh, but where we left off, oh, but before we get to the tax thing again, uh, another sponsor of the show. Catnip. Yes. <laughs> have you picked up some Miyawawana over at Four Healthy Pets? Man, I went over there. They have containers that are airtight, yeah. sealed, and it's just the, the most high-quality catnip that you can get in town. I love the catnip blunts because you can hand it to the cat, and they'll just, like, freak out. I'm like, what do I do with this thing? <laughs> it's so adorable. I'm obsessed with cats lately and cat videos. That's because you're getting one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're going to get a kitten. I'm getting a kitten. Yeah. And I'm going to raise that bad boy and play with him, make sure, give him lots yeah. of love so he's used to people touching him. All you got to do is I hang mean, out with I mean, I might save a cat that's like one, two years old if it's a cool cat. Like, the first time I meet it, it's like cool with me handling that's hard, it. That's hard, man. Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen it be successful, too. Yeah. So, when that day comes, and it'll be pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. And I will immediately go over to Four Healthy Pets on the Atlanta Highway. It's the Village East Shopping Center, folks. Started by Teresa because she was realizing it's tough, especially at the big box stores and for your everyday pet owner to know what's the healthiest all-natural food to give to your pet. They don't care about you. Right. They don't care the about you at all. The big box store doesn't. Yeah, the, they do not care about you at all. Not in the Teresa same does. way. I mean, they might be like, oh, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. But they believe me, I've worked those types of jobs. They don't care how Teresa at Four Healthy Pets cares. But it'd be everyday food. She'll get you the top-notch brands. They also have grooming services. Now, two groomers on staff. They also have the incredible treats like the catnip, meow wanna. I love it. And if she can't get it, she will order it. Or the chicken crack. Oh, and she, man. yes, she will order it. Or if you realize this is the brand I want to keep coming back with, you can get an auto order function ready. And you don't even have to leave the car. You can be like, hey, Teresa, I'm about to pull up. She'll come out of the store, hand you your items. You're good to go. It's like, cheers. Everybody knows your name when you show up at Four Healthy Pets. Family and friends hour over there. Really great people. So if you want to check out more about 4 Healthy Pets, go to 4HealthyPetsOnline.com. Again, that's 4HealthyPetsOnline.com. Or just stop by there in the Village East Shopping Center, Atlanta Highway, right next to Faulkner, and tell Teresa Joey said hi. Hey, and Seth. Yeah, and Seth. It was like cheers, You can throw man. that out. When I went in there, she was like, hey, exactly. And Mouse is like, yo. Mouse the cat. Yes. That's the best yes. name for a cat ever. There are two cats in there, and they're both black, and they remind me of my cat, Cheech. What should I name my cat? That is up to you. No, I know, but I'm we're brainstorming here. Um, Before I get back to this tax... Okay, here, let's just do the tax thing, and then we'll brainstorm about the cat. Prince. I'm not naming my cat Prince. That's Are you two, sure? That's two on the nose. Maybe one of Prince's, like, uh, aliases. Yeah. Like Christopher Tracy. Really? That's one. I'm not going to go with that. Christopher. Tracy. <laughs> Christopher. No, I'm not going to do Tracy either. Uh, what, Alexander Nevermore? Oh, that's a good one. That's like Chad Morris. One of his uh, alter egos was Camille. Whenever he sang in the high voice, like he sped up the his pitch 
uh, of his voice, that would be the Camille character. Oh. Anyway, I'll come up with something. But one thing you're hearing from the Democrats these days, and hey, folks, if you're a Democrat, I love you on certain issues. Let's let's get going on more criminal justice reform. Let's get going on like legalizing marijuana. Let's go. I'm ready for it. I think Alabama, it's time. And I'm saying that to Democrats, Republicans. I'm just saying that to people. It's time that we do this. But the Democrats will retort that we survived. The economy survived. 91% income tax rates under President Eisenhower and the 70% tax rates through the 1970s. That does not mean those policies raised much revenue. They didn't. Tax exclusions and high income thresholds shielded nearly everyone from these tax rates. So there's all these loopholes and exceptions. To the degree that the richest 1% of earners paid a lower effective income tax rate in the 1950s than today. So the nominal rate is 91%, but they paid less back then than they do today because of all the loopholes. In 1960, only eight taxpayers... That's not like 80,000. It's not 8,000. It's not 800. Not e- it's not even 80. Only eight. No zeros. Only eight taxpayers paid the 91% rate. Wow. Overall, today's 8.2% of GDP in federal income tax revenues exceeds that of the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. So, all this argument over taxes... And these, we, we survive old rates. Yeah, I can't stand it, Seth. The bumper sticker logic, the utter nincompoopery and ding dongery of the American people and their politician. Like, ah! Well, we had 90% rates. It wasn't that simple. Yeah. Ah, I'm getting frustrated. Let's get back to the cat names. Yes, because for a minute there, your face was the same color as your shirt. Well, salmon? Peach. Peach? That's well, pink. <laughs> I'm a confident man. It's hey, today it's pink. Yeah. I'm not a confident man, but I'm trying to think. I like, you know, good proper names. Like maybe even famous names. Oh. Like uh Don. Like Francis Bacon. <laughs> Sir Francis Bacon. Let's see, I've had uh Or Millard Fillmore. Mill. I might name my cat Mr. President. Yeah. Hey, what's up, mister? I had one named Roach, and I've had a, a, a baby. Okay. She, she was white, and um, I she was pink. I turned her pink at one time. Um, I've had Gomez. Uh, his name is... That's a cool name. Gomez was cool, and then he ended up turning into Oliver, which ended up being Ollie. And let's see. Okay, I... I'm pulling up a list of ten famous people who turned down knighthood, and uh, but I'm gonna do it to where it's like they actually took knighthood, and this is what I'm I'm thinking. My cat must begin with sir, okay? <laughs> okay. Because I actually know some people that have a cat that's like a sir, and it's a lot of fun to not say the full name, just go sir. <laughs> what are you doing, sir? Sir, <laughs> okay. could you stop that, sir? Like you're you know reprimanding somebody on an airplane, sir. Sit down, sir. Sir, stop licking your fur. <laughs> and that's that's about right because you're you're going to be bowing to the sir. Hat. Sir, get away from the kiss Christmas tree, not the Christmas tree. That's a whole <laughs> other tree. Anyway, 
Sir David Bowie. Ooh. That could be good. Nah, I don't like Vanessa Red... Uh, L.S. Lowry. Ooh. Sir Alfred Deacon. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I like this one. Sir Aldous Huxley. The writer of Brave New World. Oh. Name my cow... Aldous Huxley. Aldous or Elvis? Aldous. Spell that. A-L-D-O-U-S. Wow, that is... Aldous Huxley. Mm. All, you, Aldous He's Huxley. He's very well read. He understands human psychology well. He doesn't approve of way th- the way the world's going. His <laughs> cats just don't approve. They're not impressed. Yeah, they're never... They're, just, they're hardly ever impressed unless you go buy some Meowawana at Four Healthy Pets. Yeah, I like Aldous Huxley. Yeah, that... Or Sir Ox- Oscar Wilde would be good. Huh. Or uh, Sir Orwell, George Orwell. Ooh. Or I think his original name was Eric Arthur Blair. But I like Orwell better. Yeah, yeah that's not as... I'm thinking a very proper name, you know. Aldous. Aldous Huxley. <laughs> that's a good one. I gotta get a cat. Yeah, man. I really do. And by the way, if you're listening, folks, it's Friday. Ooh. I have four shopping minutes left here on the show. I'm pretty much done. Kaput. Woo! Stick a fork in me. Let's see who this is on line one. News talk, you're on there. Who's this? Hello. Hello. Who's this? Hey, Joy. Uh, I was just telling you, you need to name your cat MAGA. MAGA? <laughs> MAGA. I don't want to be random. I don't want to deal with that sort of heat, man. <laughs> oh, come on. If you get a female, name it Maggie. MAGA Aww. and Maggie? So that's my out. It's just a play on the name Maggie. It's yeah. Nothing about yeah. red hats or building the wall. <laughs> well, I'm just uh, just keeping the original here for the for the time frame. <laughs> well, and it is amazing that a phrase as innocuous as "Make America Great Again" has become what it's become on the left. Insane. And they have their reasons, I'm sure, but it's just like. It's funny to me. You got a red hat on, you better watch out. <laughs> it's funny how politics just poisons everything. It really does. Even innocuous language. Well, I was just going to throw that in, and I uh, love your show, and uh, I just headed to the hunting camp, so uh, just throwing my suit Yeah, this is the last week in a deer season, right? Ah, it goes out to 10. Okay. Oh, you got a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, I, good luck, man. Yeah, good luck. Happy hunting. Yep. Bye. I, yeah, I, that's something I need to do. I haven't been deer hunting in years. I've never, I've never had a successful hunt in the sense of killing a deer. I, uh, I taught I'm myself, not against it either. I taught myself one of my buddies for about five years. I've, I've killed a beaver and a duck, and oh, the duck was nice because I was able to kill the duck and skin it and yeah. cook it and eat it all in the same day. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. Too. Oh man, duck fat is glorious. Oof. It was something. It really is glorious. Yeah, I've, I've started thinking, like, it'd be fun to get out into the woods a little more. Even if you don't see anything, there's something peaceful about it in the preparation. and Getting out there before the sun comes up, when it's dark, and it's just you in the woods, mm-hmm. and then you watching everything come up. And after about 15, 20 minutes of being up there, you're alone. I'm Nobody really out of practice, though. I'd probably need to practice being, you know... Chill and focus <laughs> when you pull the trigger and know breathe. what I'm doing. Yeah, breathe exactly. Um, uh, yeah, okay, Josh. Josh is always uh, saying, "Come on." Uh-huh. I would need to go with somebody experienced. Yeah, and he's he's the man. He goes out there all the time. Apparently, yeah. Oh, I've seen some of the mm-hmm. wild game. Oh, oh he, I saw he posted a video of him cooking backstrap. Oh, man, I just want to eat your food, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can we he go? looks like a great chef. He I really know. does. I mean, that cast iron skillet is just beautiful. So, folks, happy hunting. 
Good luck. You got a couple days. Stop left. trying to soak the rich for things that'll never happen because the true cash cow is the middle class. And it is without question, it is undeniable. No, you're wrong, David Mowry. It wasn't the Rolling Stones. The best halftime show in Super Bowl history goes to Prince. By far. <laughs> There's no arguing this. I'm usually a reasonable guy. If you think that Prince isn't the best Super Bowl halftime show, you're wrong. Wrong. You're Jan- very wrong. Janet Jackson's boob. Nips the- no, you're wrong. You know how on the internets, how many boobs? Anyway, we're out of time. (laughs) We're out of time, folks. I'll be back on Monday. Thanks, man.